Welcome to the Symphony Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Matthew Callens, my co-host, and a very special guest, Mara Chabin, who is the founder of ZenStop, uh, an entrepreneur based in Southern California. We're super excited to hear about your journey, specifically because of the business that you're in, which is around mindfulness, uh, meditation, and mindset, and those types of things. But give us a little bit of intro about uh, where you grew up, a little bit of your background, and how you got to start ZenStop in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me. And I'll just say that um, I love what the Symphony Co. stands for and, and all the initiatives that you both are building out, um, which is super cool. And I think so needed for young people and inspiring and sharing information. So excited to be here. And yeah, so I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan, um, which is a beautiful place, especially in June. It's amazing. <laughs> and actually going back there next week, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but I, I had a great, wonderful childhood, honestly. I'm super grateful and, and thankful. And um, I guess my story in terms of ZenStop and entrepreneurship really kind of starts when I hit high school. And um, I would definitely describe myself as more of a type A personality. And so, yeah, when I was 14, I, I was totally a little bit stressed out, um, uh, probably pretty angsty. And so my mom took me to a yoga class when I was 14 uh, at a place at the time, which was called Center for Yoga. And, um, and I absolutely fell in love with this slow flow class on Wednesday nights with my teacher, Jackie, who is actually still my yoga teacher today over a decade later, Wow, um, which is super special. And um, yeah, I left that class feeling amazing and felt so many mental and physical benefits from that. And once I turned 16, I started driving myself and going and um, it's a really beautiful yoga community actually there. Uh, it's called um, Detroit's Original Vinyasa, which is a certain take on yoga that's really free flowing and intuitive, kind of paying attention to what works well in your body um, because everyone has a different body. So there's no right or wrong way to do it. And I've definitely taken a lot of those, a lot of that kind of ideology into the way that I share mindfulness. And we'll touch on that too. Um, but yeah, so that's really where my story begins. And um, I ended up getting really into yoga. Uh, my teacher, Jackie, suggested that I started doing these hot vinyasa classes and um, ended up going to the University of Michigan, which is about 45 minutes from my hometown and super grateful that there's only one other center for yoga and it's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So I loved being in Ann Arbor. And once I got to college, I would say that my yoga practice turned more into a physical thing for me. Um, when I was growing up, I was a competitive figure skater. So uh, that was um, where I was doing so much exercise. And then uh, after finishing with skating, um, I really was using yoga as like a physical way um, to, to get into my body. And, um, and then a couple years after that, uh, after my sophomore year, 
um, very much out of nowhere. I was, I was a pretty healthy girl at the time. Um, I was 19 years old and I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer. Um, did you know about this actually? <laughs> I just learned about this actually through Tori, who, cause I think she assumed that I knew about this just from talking to you about, you know, recording this podcast, but I didn't know. So I was actually wondering, hopefully hoping that we could go into that a little bit in this episode, but I'm glad that you, that you felt, um, comfortable to share that with us because yeah, would would love to learn more about it and kind of how, how that acted as a, um, yeah, just how that showed up in your life and how you moved past it and, and are showing up as you are today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it has everything to do with who I am today. And I think it was the best tap on my shoulder um, to, I don't know, change, change for the better. And I think it really woke me up to a lot of things. And I, I think it's so interesting how illness can do that for people. We start paying attention to our health when we get sick. And something that I'm actually really passionate about is paying attention to that before we get to the point of being sick and ill. Um, but anyways, it was a really interesting experience when I was 19 years old. Um, I had to go through, before I did all my chemotherapy treatments, I went through um, IVF, which is in vitro fertility, um, saving eggs for just in case chemotherapy destroys all of them, which is quite easy for a, a man, but it's a, a quite intense process for a woman at 19. It was, that was a lot to go through. Um, but I had moved home for the time being for that summer. And I'm really grateful for that time because I got really into health. That's when I decided to become um, very vegan, have modified since then, but um, just kind of through everything into like getting better and all things wellness. And um, I started chemotherapy. I lost all of my hair, which was uh, interesting as just a young girl who identified with my hair. I have really long hair. Um, so yeah, I got really into wellness and I was continuing doing yoga, um, but it wasn't serving me as much. I couldn't keep up with the classes as much. And so that's when I actually started doing mindfulness meditation and slowing down and um, my yoga practice evolved into a meditation practice. And I used that really as a way to kind of um, observe my own thoughts and, and help get over that uh, situation with a lot more gratitude and, and um, use that as, as like a learning opportunity for my life. But I feel that my meditation practice really helped me do that. And I know that you guys talk a lot about um, just the way that your thoughts kind of create your reality. And, and that's where I really learned that from that experience at such a young age, which I'm grateful for. Definitely. I feel like, especially in that situation too, where, you know, you're, you're dealing with a, a pretty seemingly negative situation. I, I was actually going to ask if that mindfulness practice that you were kind of introduced to at a young age with at 14 with the yoga, like if that really started to kick in when you were, when you were coping with that and, and how long, how long uh, were you dealing with that too? Like how long were you uh, going through chemo and um, basically like dealing with, but then also recovering from lymphoma? Yeah. So it was actually June of 2015. So six years ago. And that was when I found it and was diagnosed. And then by August, I was in chemo August 4th. I remember when I started that and I actually went back to school in the fall while I was still coming home um, to do treatment. I felt it really helped me take my mind off everything that was going on. 
And by the end of November of that year, I became cancer free, which is amazing. It was pretty quick. Um, although there was always the kind of thing in the back of your mind, will it come back? And now that I am five years out, it, it really, I think there's more of a chance that you would get a different cancer than the one would come back. So I feel very grateful, lucky and blessed. And I've just learned so much from that experience in my life. Yeah. Wow. That's really amazing. And I'm so happy to hear that you came <laughs> through that on the other side. And now that you're completely cancer free and that's, that's really incredible. Uh, and what an experience to go through too at, at that age. I mean, that's such a, that's a really difficult time period of life just in general, as you're kind of getting older and, and having new realizations of your own and finding out a little bit about the world. So to throw that on top of everything, like that's a lot to, a lot to unpack mentally, especially as a young um, teenage girl, ultimately. Um, were, so were you, were you meditating daily at that point when you were going through chemo and, and having days at the hospital, were you finding time to add a practice in during that? Yeah. I mean, looking back, I was, I was starting to build a practice. So I wouldn't say it was every day of mindfulness meditation, but I really started reading a lot of books and becoming super interested in mindfulness meditation and how it could help you stay in, in more of a positive mindset. And so during that time, I think it was a lot of learning and starting to experiment with slowing down and um, using the practice in that way. So I would, I would say that that was like the very beginning of my meditation practice. <laughs> I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs come to, or a lot of people in general come to mindfulness later in life, but it's really fascinating that you're talking about slowing down. And I also want to go back because you mentioned this concept of uh, intuitive yoga in Detroit and taking this idea of like knowing what's right for you in this moment and not applying like a blanket concept um, and I, I want to hear more about how that shows up in Zen Stop, but, but, but then you started talking about your recent experience and I want to ask you how you mentioned you woke up to certain things or there was like really some, maybe some realizations that you had through this process of, um, being ill. How did that show up for you personally and how you saw yourself and how you showed up as a human being and also in building Zen Stop? Yeah, that's, I love that question. Thank you for asking me. Um, and I would say the number one biggest thing is I don't think I ever thought I was going to die from this experience. Um, however, given like if I was born even like 50 or 70 years earlier, like would I still be here today? Uh, I don't know because there's certain medications and advancements that really helped me get through that. Um, and so I do think it woke me up in terms of just zooming way out and being like, we're literally floating in the middle of the universe <laughs> and nothing really matters today and tomorrow besides uh, being a good person and being kind and compassionate and doing things that bring you joy and um, just bringing more love into the world. And so I, I think it made me zoom way out because I was still in this, I was still at school surrounded by people and, and my roommates who were like, oh, this test, this quiz, blah, 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 and all these things, which of course there's small stressors and everyone deals with stress and uh, we have to do certain life things. But um, it just made me realize those things are so unimportant <laughs> and to like just live a passionate, inspirational life. And I think that 
yeah, that, and that's why I'm really grateful because I learned that lesson pretty young. And um, so I think that was like my biggest takeaway is just don't waste time. Like if you want to go do something, just go do it Like, and be happy because uh, yeah, you're, I don't know, we're one in like 4 trillion chances that you are like here right now. So it's just cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We won the lottery by even just, just being here and being alive. And that's <laughs> what a beautiful uh, takeaway from that whole experience. And, and you're so right. I mean, I think sometimes it, it does take really being able to zoom out to gain a more positive perspective on what's going on here and our place within the world. And to give us that reassurance that we can go for things and put ourselves out there and go after what we want to do. And so I feel like that's a perfect transition for us to kind of start talking about ZenStop. So that this takes us to the period of time when, so you said after sophomore year of college, correct? So then that happens, you go back to college, finish school at Michigan mm -hmm. and then, okay. So graduation happens and then uh, maybe I'll let you pick it up from there and kind of intro into how ZenStop came into the conversation and maybe anything that led into that before that, that kind of even gave you even more of a kick to be like, okay, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So then I graduated and I got a job out here in LA and uh, completely unrelated to what I'm doing now, but was still extremely passionate about that topic. And, um, and I was just lucky to have a job. I think I was just happy <laughs> after graduation and I moved out here and I saw also how my mindfulness meditation practice was helping me in like a professional setting as well. And being out here in LA, um, there's actually so many meditation opportunities, um, community meditation opportunities, which I think is amazing, but there was still something that I felt was missing here uh, because I was essentially working a desk job from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. So I'm sitting down for those nine hours. And then afterwards, I would, I would definitely seek out different like meditation classes here in LA. And um, after driving and parking and then going to the classes, a lot of them offered were like 45 minutes to an hour, um, which is amazing. And I think it's, it's fun to do that once in a while. My meditation practice right now does not look like that. I'll tell you. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it, but I just felt it was so unrealistic to fit in a busy day. And I wanted to meditate in community. There was a ton of um, online options for meditations, different apps, etc which is great but i really do feel like i i can focus the most when i'm being guided and held accountable by like a presence of a teacher there and so i was telling this to my now co-founder and i was just expressing how i felt about it and his name is cooper he was like well why what if we created like a mobile space that can come to people where they're at which is at work or events or um, different places around Los Angeles and have a community aspect, but offer shorter sessions. So anywhere from 10 minutes to 20 minutes where it can fit in a busy day. And we were kind of riffing off this idea. I think I forget where it started out, but we were thinking like truck kind of thing. And then just the whole like schooly like van conversions, bus conversions was kind of, I don't know, in at the time still is. And we were like, okay, what about a school bus, a meditation school bus um, that visited companies and offices and schools and events, bringing live talk group meditations that are actually accessible to fit in a busy day. And so 
that's where we landed. <laughs> and we just started going from there. I don't know. I was still working my job for a really long time and just building this on the side. And so what did it take to get to the point where you decided to make Zen stop the full occupation? Cause that's something that a lot of our <laughs> listeners are curious about too, is like, cause a lot of us are trying to juggle this life of find a job that will pay the bills, but then also build what your side hustle, what you're ultimately passionate about on the side. And it becomes difficult to make that jump and knowing exactly when to make that jump. So maybe talk to us a little bit about that decision-making process <laughs> and what was kind of like the main, main kicker of like, okay, it's time now to jump into this. Yeah. Um, well, it's different for everyone, I will say, depending on your situations, but this is how it was for me. Um, and I would probably advise anyone who's looking to do something or start their own company to sometimes if you want to do something that you're more passionate about, you want to be your own boss, you want to have full creative capacity and no limits. Um, you do have to make sacrifices in terms of like doing it on the side, just start, just start doing it and start doing it during your lunch break, finish your work quicker and like start doing it on your weekends and that kind of stuff. Um, which is what I started to do. I was probably, I was doing a lot of that work unbeknownst to my boss, <laughs> um, doing a lot of Zen stop work at my job, <laughs> um, which was great. I, I could finish my work. It didn't need to take me nine hours, you know? So just starting to learn and build skills and do research and write a business plan. It'll, fo it'll force you to really think about all these details and things that you didn't, uh, first think about you're just like excited about this idea which is great but um you also do need to pay attention to the nitty-gritties and do your market research and um do do a lot of prep and do research into patents and maybe try writing a patent even if you aren't gonna file the patent um, but it'll just force you to really think about the details of your business and so i started doing that and um i did so I wasn't really searching for a new job, but kind of out of nowhere, uh, working at Summit kind of landed in my lap, which was a really big blessing for me because I was able to transition to working from home, which helped me work on Zen stuff um, more. And also at Summit, I, I was doing exactly what I wanted to be doing, meeting entrepreneurs and um, being inspired by people who were, I don't know, taking leaps of their own. And I, I still needed a job. I couldn't leave at that point, but um, it was more aligned in, in the direction of where I was going. And so I was super grateful to be able to do that for another year while I was still working on some stuff. And then once we did eventually raise money and we had a plan and we had the bus that was almost done, we were going to launch. It was only like four months before we officially launched the bus that I was able to... Um, ultimately quit at Summit and take ZenStop full-time. But it was only after we raised money and like I tried to hang on to it to the very end. <laughs> um, and then it was getting to be too much. So, yeah. <laughs> that's why it's just, yeah, that's uh, having that security is nice. But if it's holding you back from building the thing that you want to really put your energy and attention towards, um, there's just that trade-off there. And I think I'd love to hear a little bit more tactically on like what you were doing like did you literally build the bus by hand did you like contract someone and also how did you raise the finances did, was that through 
um, family and friends or another method? Like talk to me a little bit in more detail. So essentially it would be under the category of family and friends. We didn't, we didn't raise, um, outside capital. Uh, it was two people who were like within our network, not actually family, but, um, they each put in half of the investment and one, one is actually, her name is Kendall. She's also, she's our third co-founder and she's actually a really young entrepreneur and she comes from a family of entrepreneurs and she's amazing. And she, she wanted to come on as more of a co-founder. Um, so I was excited about that and she's now become family, which is great. Um, but, uh, Sorry, I'm just trying to think about the question again. Yeah, just from <laughs> zero to one, like when you, so, yeah, just like yeah. kind of like one layer deeper on, like you talk a lot about research, making a business plan, getting into the details. Yeah. Um, but I would, yeah, I would just love to hear like what it actually took to get it to the point where it was moving and built momentum. And and even just acquiring a school bus, because that's something that I'm, I'm curious about too and want to know about. I want to know what that process was and then also what, what goes inside the school bus and, and okay. yes. what that looks yeah. like. Yeah, I appreciate these questions. I honestly haven't thought about this period in a while, so it's good. I'm thinking back now and I'm realizing that I did write a, and I would encourage other budding entrepreneurs to do this as well, um, I think it was called a product placement memorandum, a PPM. And um, that was kind of like a solicitation for investment. Not really, because you're, I, we didn't solicit for investment, which is why it falls under the friends and family category. And that way you don't have to register it under the SEC, I believe, um, is what it's called. But uh, so the PPM, like it outlines what investment you're looking for how much and how it all kind of like lays out. So all these like unsexy things about starting a business. And I think our business plan goes in there, pictures, just future visioning, all of that kind of stuff. And so that, that was really helpful. And I think we started kind of floating it around to our network. I'll be completely honest and say that fundraising is actually not my strong suit. <laughs> um, the mindfulness piece and teaching that and curating the experience, that is where that that's where my skills lie. And Cooper is very good at raising money. And um, he's also really good with digital and design. And um, so he found both of our investors um, by floating around our PPM kind of kind of talking about it. And it was two people that were in his network um, who ultimately did invest. So I guess I'm sure maybe you've spoke about this in your podcast too, but find work with people who are so different than you that have different skills than you, because I am so different from Cooper and Kendall and it's benefited our business like 100%. In terms of finding and buying a school bus, insane. Like the things that I've learned about a bus and the way I've learned like how to handle a bus is also insane. I think this is like something else that I'm really passionate about within entrepreneurship. It's so cool how you can become an expert in things you had no idea like what to do. You just start by taking baby steps and learning and Googling and all of the things. And like, I never thought I would be good at handling a bus. And now I'm like able to like 
take out our bus batteries and like tinker with now them. you're talking like, shop <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like that's so not me <laughs> but it's just the things that you learn because you have a dream and, and this was a step to getting to where you wanted to go um so yeah anyways we uh i met with like different bus people in the area just asking questions going to bus lots um and we ended up finding the bus online from it, it was on a bus lot in Oklahoma. We we found someone like a local mechanic to go and like check out the bus and drive it and test it and make sure it was good. We never even saw the space before we shifted it. We shipped it to Denver, which is where it was renovated. And we worked with a team who specializes in renovating school buses. And it was really cool to watch, um, even though it was from afar, because I was still here. I was very fortunate and lucky because my sister randomly lived like two miles away from where the bus was being renovated. And her boyfriend, Aaron, was able to document it because he's a photographer and videographer. So he would go over there and um, take pictures and videos of the bus and it was, I could go on and on. I could tell you about this for an hour. Like the renovation process was honestly pretty intense, but we um, cut the bus in half and lifted the roof on it about a foot. So it's super spacious and open on the inside. It has a cedar wood ceiling. It's like, um, it's like a dome kind of ceiling on the bus. <laughs> Literally insane. And wormy wood maple floors. So it smells amazing in there when you go in because it smells like fresh cedar wood. And um, it, we put solar panels on top that power the entire bus. And um, and yeah, Cooper really was the one who designed the entire space with our with um, the renovations team because he had a vision. And again, he's just very good with design. So I'm grateful for him because he designed the whole space. I had nothing to do with any of that. <laughs> the bus looks um, awesome and too. I've only seen pictures, but it looks absolutely incredible. I definitely want to come to uh an event sometime and check it out because it looks great yeah sure you both are welcome anytime i read on the website that yeah. uh, uh were you sorry about that um i read on the website that it. there was like a, a testimonial from one of your clients that said you know we tried to do all these meditation things and get people together and we would get like two or three people to show up to them and when zen stop arrived 115 people showed up to two continuous um events that you guys put on. So I guess my question is, what do you think made it, what makes ZenStop so much more effective in terms of having a separate space? Is that all it is? Or is there an, a methodology or just talk to me about like why it's so effective and why it's just so um, enticing for someone to get out of their office space and come on out to the bus? That's a really good question too. Um, so I think there's a few different factors. I think, um, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Like it, it is really effective and you're able to have a better meditation experience, at least in my mind, when you get out of your work environment, it's kind of like from the same ideology that you shouldn't work in your bed because you're going to be sleepy and like unmotivated and just want to go to bed. Like it's about the environment that you put yourself in, um, that can really affect your experience. So I think when people come and Zen stop, it's, it smells like lavender and eucalyptus and cedar wood. And it's just very relaxing instantly. Um, and there's nice music playing. And so it's just, it's a, it's an experience. 
that you are getting to do. And it's like an exciting thing to leave your desk and go meditate for 15 minutes and, and really give yourself some time for self-care and to recharge. And I think I prioritize definitely the content of the sessions as well. So I teach a lot of the meditation sessions, but we also bring along um, a variety of different teachers. So making sure that they're really quality meditations and we're not giving the same one each time, um, building on skills and mindfulness that we're sharing. So it's exciting and fresh and different and new. And, um, and then, yeah, just creating, I guess, a positive environment, creating relationships with people and um, holding people accountable for their practice by showing up and, and being there. And um, it's just like a fun thing to look forward to. And I, obviously we haven't been visiting a ton of companies during the pandemic, but um, previously we, we really create relationships with a lot of the people that we're visiting weekly. And um, I don't know, they become family too. And it's all part of the Zen stuff. <laughs> family. So I think it's, it's, it was a combination of all of those things. So you will go weekly to certain companies though. So are you hitting them once a week, twice a week, or what is it typically? So we're really customizable. Um, sometimes we visit companies on a weekly basis or sometimes it's a bi-weekly basis, or sometimes we'll be contracted out for like an event um, or even like a monthly basis. So we're willing and able to work with companies and organizations. And right now we've been live streaming with companies and organizations. The live streaming is mostly on a weekly basis where we're streaming meditations from within the bus and people are able to tune in. And so not completely the full experience, but still be able to share some of the magic online. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Cause yeah, one of my questions was going to be because as great as it is to have Zenstop come and show up and be able to go there once a week and get out of your office and do the meditation and just experience what that brings to your life. Are you also participating in kind of the education of, of why these practices are so important or are you encouraging them in any ways, uh, giving them any tactical advice on how to keep up these practices when you guys like on the days that you guys aren't showing up to the, to the organization? Yeah, for sure. I think um, the way that I learned to teach and I, I did end up getting to go to UCLA and study at the Mindfulness Awareness Research Center here, which is an amazing resource. And um, it's a very scientific approach to the practice of mindfulness meditation. Um, so being able to share the practice in a way that you're, you're providing good experience in the moment, but also leaving them with tactical tips and tools to not only take with them, but also encourage them to start building uh, potentially like a two minute or five minute practice into their daily basis. That's great. Yeah. I think people don't even realize how effective just a few minutes out of their day can be just to, as a little reset to get back in the right mindset and, and, um, just focus on get some, get some perspective ultimately. So that's really cool. Um, so what, what I want to know too, is what's next for ZenStop? Mm -hmm. I know that obviously you've had to make some pivots because of COVID and it sounds like you've done a good job at really getting going uh, virtually and offering that type of type of thing on a weekly basis. But um, talk to me a little bit about future installations that you would like to offer or any partnerships that you're looking to make or just any additions that you're kind of trying to add into your business model, if any, also, because it doesn't have to be anything new because it, I mean, what you're doing now is, is really awesome and, and very sustainable, it sounds like. So, but yeah, if there's anything that's kind of on the horizon for Zenstop, we'd love to, we'd love to hear about it. 
Cool. Well, um, right now we are continuing to do live streaming with a lot of the companies and organizations that we work with. And we're starting to roll out a hybrid model of live streaming as well as though they get like weekly live streams from ZenStop as well as one bus visit a month. Um, so kind of just slowly transitioning back to in-person, which that's just step one, which we're really excited about and starting to book some events and stuff for the fall. Um, and I've also launched a free podcast of guided meditations that you can get wherever you get your podcast. Um, and these ones are actually geared towards, um, they're really not for our company and organization people. They're more towards actually geared towards Gen Z, um, which we've started engaging with a lot on TikTok, uh, which has been super fun posting meditation and mindfulness content there, I think. Um, I think it's a whole different beast having grown up with a smartphone in your hand and, and the, um, the effects that it has on your mental health. So starting to work on some more initiatives to engage Gen Z in mindfulness and doing so in a very accessible way rather than like a high level um, or like, I guess, mature or older person way. Like I'm still, I'm, I'm still super young and relatable to, to younger people as well. So I'm really excited about that. And um, we are potentially going to have another space that's based in Nashville. So that's um, also potentially on the horizon. And the last thing that we're thinking about um, is starting to get to more concerts, festivals, events, um, providing a space where people can kind of reset, slow down and check in with themselves so they can uh, go and be present and enjoy their experience wherever they're at more. So I'm excited about that. And then also just open to whatever ideas flow and partnerships or collaborations that kind of come about. So just staying open and, and centered. Yeah. <laughs> Beautifully said. You you alluded to it, but I'd love to ask about what role mental health plays. Is that something that you address like in a Zen stop visit? Would somebody ever have the opportunity of um, a, approaching something that's uh, a mental health issue or something like that for them, whether it's anxiety or you know depression, something like that? Or are you guys, is that more of like a counseling and therapy type concept that is a little bit more off limits or separate for, for good reason, potentially, but just wondering about that. Yeah. So the way that I've studied mindfulness at UCLA, I think helps uh, color in techniques and tools that would be very helpful for anyone who uh, struggles with anxiety or depression um, or any other kind of mental health um, issue. And so I think that mindfulness is a great tool no matter what, but I will say that I am not um, a psychologist or a counselor. And so I have resources to be able to point people in correct directions. And I, I guess this is actually a great place to say this is that mindfulness isn't great for everyone. Actually, some people have negative experiences, um, especially people who have suffered with any kind of trauma within their life. Um, some people, mindfulness doesn't feel great for everyone. And, and so I, I do actually acknowledge that usually at the beginning of the sessions, like if you're having a not good experience, it's okay to not do it. Just like stop because <laughs> it might not feel good for you. And you should seek someone who could really help with that. I'm not a mindfulness-based trauma um, 
I'm I'm trauma sensitive mindfulness aware, but I'm not a trauma sensitive mindfulness teacher. Um, so yeah, so I'm definitely open and aware and knowledgeable about what to look for and mm-hmm. different symptoms and signs of people that might be struggling. Um, but that's definitely not, I wouldn't say my full wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Very cool. How do you create the space to get people to be open to the experience when they're in this like work environment and then they come out potentially with the same teammates that they're just in a meeting with and they're like late on a project or something like that. Mm -hmm. How do you, beyond just some lavender and and the cedar, like what is it that you guys do, whoever's facilitating it? Or um, I'd love to just kind of get a little bit more insight into what makes the experience so special. Sure. So yeah, and it's, it's interesting because it differs between every company like some are younger companies are coming out in like jeans and t-shirts and then some are like they're really dressed up they're in heels and suits and and like they're not they don't want to sit on the floor um and so we have a variety of different options for people no matter what they want to do we have a bunch of benches and chairs you don't want to sit on the floor um and i think i think helping people get out of their mindset by again just kind of welcoming them with a really positive attitude and um and and then also like certain practices that can help you kind of get centered and out of your own mind space is using a lot of breath techniques to kind of just like slow down and, and center you in space and uh just becoming more mindful i think it's the practice in itself um which is super helpful so yeah <laughs> so apart from the the zen stop um practices what what is what is your personal mindset or mindfulness practice do you meditate regularly or or yeah just talk to me a little bit about that yeah uh yeah i meditate every single day uh there's been periods though where like i don't feel like meditating especially during the pandemic i've had periods of time like sometimes a month at a time where i'm not feeling it it's not helpful and so I would encourage everyone to, if you are building mindfulness practice, to really listen to what you might need on any given day. Um, but right now I'm in a very consistent practice, which I'm happy to share and it feels good. And um, I've been kind of recently, more recent, been diving into the world of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Are you, are you guys? I am familiar with yes. him. Yeah. Very yeah. fascinating guy. Yeah, super fascinating. So I've been reading a bunch of his books and I'm really inspired by him. So I've been doing his meditations right now kind of recently, like a lot of his recorded meditations that he has online. Um, But again, it kind of varies. Like Jackie, my yoga teacher, has some recorded meditations. And I do like being guided. I like having a guidance. A lot of people just sit down and meditate. And I'll do that too occasionally. But um, I I like being led. I don't know. I I think also like sharing self-care practices it's so important for me to like go and seek out and be taught and like learn more and and be consistent with it because it's the only way I'm going to be able to share uh these practices as well so yeah yeah I love hearing about what other people do in their own life because it ultimately just adds to what I end up doing and I try a a bunch (laughs) of different things and ultimately just settle with what feels right and just keep expanding in that way so that's that's really cool um yeah. Well, we're probably getting close to wrapping it up here, but you've shared so much value, valuable information with us. And this has been really fun for, for me to get to know you a little bit better and get to learn a lot more about, about Zen Stop. And um, 
I'm looking forward to having my first meditation session in the Zen Stop bus sometime in the very near future. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this has been great. And, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm here. If anyone has any other questions or wants to have conversation about entrepreneurship or um, mindfulness or mental health or all of the things, uh, just, I don't know, being open to make myself available to your community as well. That's awesome. I appreciate that so much. And I also appreciate how you kind of ended on this concept of like finding what works for you. And I just think always circling back to that, like offering different ideas, like we can kind of get overwhelmed with hearing about all these different mindfulness things that everyone's doing and you have to meditate or you have to do this or breathe. And um, yeah, I love what you said about just kind of saying that it's valid, that whatever you're feeling is you should what, what you should listen to. And so um, echoing Matt's words. Thank you so much for coming, sharing your time with us. Um, and yeah, we're excited to see where you take Zen Stop and also just would love to have you be part of our community. We do different virtual events and we're hoping to do an in-person event in the future. So looking forward to oh, it. Great. Well, if you need a space, just let me know. We can park <laughs> on the beach or something. <laughs> we will definitely keep that in mind. And yeah, we will we'll provide... We'll provide links in the show notes for everything that was spoken about today in the show. But also if you want to, uh, where can people find you if they want to follow you on social media and the name of the podcast. Sites. Oh yeah. And the podcast as well. Oh yeah. So if you, it's just called Zen stop, um, on Spotify, Apple music, all the places or Apple podcasts. Um, and yeah, I've been posting meditations there weekly and I like those because they're, they are more highly produced rather than live. So um, I use music and the meditations as a big element to help share some relaxation. So, uh, so yeah, definitely check those out if you're interested. They're all like 10, 16 minutes long. And um, yeah, feel free to connect with us through our website if you want us to come to your company, organization, event, or even your school. Uh, we're on Instagram, TikTok, all the places. And yeah <laughs> thank you so much mara thanks for checking out this week's episode today we have a special announcement in conjunction with arete holdings co which is the parent company to the brand shreddable shroomy and root strength and for the next five weeks we are going to be running a kickstarter and the different donation levels uh, coincide with certain discounts for the products and pre-orders for products that haven't even come out yet at a discounted rate and so you should definitely check that out because supporting that kickstarter is also supporting us here at the symphony co because a lot of people involved in the brands are also the people involved in making this podcast happen so support the kickstarter support the podcast and thanks for listening we'll see you next week